Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for new sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, January the 12th. Cavaliers have a game tomorrow. I guess you can. It's 4 30 is technically afternoon, but it's weird because it's going to get dark like roughly that time. So I don't know. It, afternoon, evening, whatever. Uh, Virginia has a game tomorrow, so we won't have a, uh, a show, obviously, tomorrow to record. So we decided to do this one early, whereas we did the last one uh, late. Uh, so we will talk about Virginia's win um, the other day uh, and preview um, this one uh, against um, Notre Dame. Virginia looking for a season sweep against the Irish. And then, you know, even though we won't record a podcast before the game, I do want to talk a little bit about that Clemson matchup, potentially at least on Saturday. The The Tigers currently in um, in hopes of coming out of um, COVID protocols and such and being able to play. So we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Well, it's going great, Brad. It's always fun to be here. Yeah, it's so hard to, like I was thinking today, it's been a, such a pain to schedule the podcast. Like, <laughs> it's like our games keep getting moved yeah, around or something. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Hey, big shout out to Frank who stopped by and say hi. Hope you're listening. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. Oh, we're, we're telling that story. Uh, <laughs> and uh, up in Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Good. Um, just before tip off against Boston College, I maimed myself, so I did not get to watch the game. Um, but I got to watch it later, so that's good. Um, I'm recovering nicely, so shout out to all the healthcare professionals that <laughs> stitched my arm back together. But I'll be fine. At Justin underscore Verbal on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. I don't have anything fun to say. Dave's got a dude who came to a shop yeah, specifically lucky to see you, him, right? Ferber. <laughs> oh wait, when you told us, you said you cut your finger. Now you just described it as your arm, right? Next thing you know, you were gonna. It's, it's a finger. It's, it's a, a it's a finger attached to an arm, right? Uh, I will say that it's an uh, extremity. My I, my kid. It's a it's an upper extremity injury, trunk or whatever. <laughs> these my my kid got a uh, from a family member. Just got put a, a boot um, on it. Got a uh, a fire pit for Christmas, and uh, it finally came in the mail, and so she was super excited to put it together, and so I was um I was a little bit too focused on where she was relative to the knife, and didn't notice how close I was to the knife, trying to cut the zip ties uh, off of the the legs, and definitely gouged into my finger. And until Ferber just said that about his finger, I was like, oh, I don't think I'd actually mentioned to you guys that I literally, but it's my thumb. Um, so apparently, Dave, you should be careful with any sharp um, <laughs> any sharp objects in the next couple of days because it's you know they always come in threes. Um, so, yes, Dave had a, a, a fan. Frank? What, Frank was his name? Frank? Um, yeah, Frank. I can't remember his last name. It starts with an L. It was either Lampert or Lampent. I can't remember, but yeah. I appreciate like him stopping by the store on Saturday. All right. One, I think it's really cool that you have fans who come to the store specifically to see <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, there's a, a long line of people. <laughs> They're all banging in the door. But then two, I love <laughs> that like you an like autograph session or, or that's what? true. Yeah. Did, did he ask for an autograph Dave? Did you offer one? Did you have any, any, any loose uh, pictures of yourself to, nah. to hand out with some Sharpies? No, I'm not. I'm so used to the fans now. I don't even think about it. <laughs> okay, listen, I'm putting a call out there right now. If you live in and around the greater Fishersville area, you want to go to Second String Sports, you get an uh, autograph of David Spence, and you take a picture of it, and you tag me on Twitter, all right? That's your that's your challenge, okay, as as I present it to you. Um, 
But no, I just love the fact that you were like, I forgot his last name. <laughs> you didn't have to say that part. You could have let that part out. It was funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, hey, he's, he took the time like from antiquing to stop by and say hi. Um, so I should have been a better listener and remembered his entire last name. I apologize. For no, that. but you know what though? You were so <laughs> shocked at his at his kindness. I was that you just you you I just was. completely lost yourself, and and, and that's why you forgot. Um, that's I what think it was. the most shocking thing about this is that we our podcast fan base overlaps with the antiquing. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm I, I'm trying to process that slowly but surely. He was taking his wife antiquing before they well, went back to their place sense. at Wintergreen. To watch the game that afternoon. See now he <laughs> was paying attention, man. Frank. He was paying attention to some details, you know. Yeah, he's a smart man. He's going to get to watch the game without any yap yap because he took his wife antiquing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not. I don't condone anything about the any of that. I don't condone that. Uh, that was not me. That was all Dave. Uh, send your angry email to him. All right. Um, all right. So the Cavaliers go out to Chestnut Hill. They go to Connie Forum, which there's a joke in here about how nobody is there in the normal times and this, there was nobody there today yeah, or this game I put it in the preview. Yeah, I know. But like, I, I wanted to say something on Twitter. Like, uh, I wonder if there are more people here, if there are more people there now than there are normally. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how, what's the reverse of like a home court advantage, right? Like when, when the building is so dead, we usually joke, right? Connie form is where good teams go to die. We usually joke about this, but like, that's a that's a thing. Like Connie Forum is one of those places that like you just don't really want to go play at because, you know, you you're there's a good chance that it's going to be just absolutely like a slog. Um, so whatever not whatever whatever the reverse of home court advantage is because you're good, whatever home court advantage is because your fans are not there, for them to lose <laughs> to kind of lose that because now every place that you play there's nobody there, um, was was kind of fascinating to watch. But Virginia comes out gets a win. Not the prettiest of games for the Cavaliers. They were, they were a hot knife through butter through maybe the you know, roughly the first you know what six ish minutes, and then um, BC came back with a vengeance. Went up by, um, I believe, as many as twelve or thirteen, and the Cavaliers started just kind of chipping away at it. Um, I was very impressed with one. I was impressed with the way that they they sort of steadied the ship similar to the way they did against Wake Forest. And then, too, I, I thought that Jay Huff, I mean, as good as that game was, I thought that his his overall impact on both sides of the floor, it wasn't necessarily that he was that he was dominant. I think it was just that he was extremely steady. And, like, everything he was doing, he just kept doing it, if that makes any sense. And realistically, like, that's the thing I think I want from this team. It's just some semblance of consistency um, game to game to game. Now, right now, their consistency is they get down by double digits in the first half and then make the thing look kind of ho hum in the end. But you know, realistically, this is a this is a solid five that Tony's got right now. Uh, Dave, let's go to you. What coming out of this one? Once you were able to watch it in full and rewatch it, what 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 were some of your takeaways? I mean, the team's definitely improving. Like you know, I've been pretty hard on them throughout the year, but. You know, they're they're showing signs of you know getting a better handle on the defense and how they fit together in it. Um, certainly, it, it's bizarre. Like if you think back two three weeks ago, it was you know how does Virginia dwindle down who they're playing because they have so much talent? To how can they afford to sit anyone from the starting five for ten minutes? You know, because um, things got things turned quick when they went to that Frankenstein lineup. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think just their gradual improvement or defensively. And for me, like obviously you're getting the steady play from Kihei and Reese, um, Trey, and then Sam's certainly picking up his defense and kind of finding his fit in the offense. But Jay Huff continues to just the progression of that kid. When you, when you think about what he was, when he got here, um, so, you know, there were a few times against Boston College where he just out-muscled dudes, um, which is just so funny to to think about, given how skinny that boy was. Um, and he's just – he's become a really, really gifted player. Uh, it's If there's one player on the team I feel bad for that there's not fans in the stands, it's Jay. Like, I feel bad for all the guys, but Jay Huff, like, fan favorite, really is now what everyone hoped he was as a freshman in, you know, first year. Um he just continues to kind of be the anchor of the team. UVA comes out, let's see, shoots 45.3% um, from the floor, 267 from deep. Kihei Clark, uh, in addition to Huff's, um, let's see, he had 18 points, he had eight boards, he had five blocks. Um, other than the four fouls, I mean, that's really the only thing you could really, you know, be upset about. Um, he was a plus 30 in, I, I don't know, I can't remember last time I saw a number like that. At one point, he was like plus 33, which is just nuts. Uh, Clark had 12 points, um, one turnover, only three assists, but I thought he did a really nice job of kind of managing things. Um, Hauser had a nice uh, another double-double, 17 and 10. Um, he had two turnovers, um, seven to 16 from the floor, two of six from three. Um, it's very odd to see UVA in a game like that where um, – you know, where for most of the game, you know, and they ultimately did get out rebound at 37 to 33, but then they had such an advantage in the paint, 32 to 16. Um, clearly, this is a this is a group that has gotten better a little bit defensively, doing some things a little differently, right? Not as much hedging. It seems like uh, more more apt to just kind of let uh, Huff sort of man the middle. Um, on ball seems to be better. And I think that in some ways, even though this is an offensive team, as we've talked about before, right? Um their defense seems to be getting a little better. Now I'm skeptical Ferber because they just played wake and they just played Boston college. They're going to play Notre Dame again. All these teams are winless in the ACC, which is the weirdest scheduling quirk or I guess a break. It's not really a quirk. Um, are what, what's your level of what, convincing convinced? What's your level of convincing? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. How convinced are you? What do you feel like you're seeing that's actually applicable to the real world right now from this team? Yeah, I mean, I think that the improvement seems real, but um, what you just said, it, it, it's like a bizarre thing. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this where a team plays four straight games against a team that hasn't won a game yet. Not only did they, you know, did they not win when UVA played them, they haven't won at all, you know. So, um, obviously Notre Dame for the second time. But I think, and I don't want to skip ahead too much, I think assuming that they take care of business on Wednesday – um, I think Saturday will be an opportunity to show that they have improved to the level where they can, um, not just beat the teams that they need to beat, but also, you know, play, at least play with the teams that are going to be at the top of the league. And I really think they can, um, and that's no disrespect to Clemson, but I think that UVA has more talent than they do. Um, and I, you know, they obviously still have a great coach. I think, you know, they've had a lot of success against Clemson in, over the years, and I think that they have a really good chance to go down there and win that game. And if they do that, then 
that'll go a long way to proving that, hey, you know, they're not just beating up on the bad teams. You know, they're beating the good teams as well. And that's one of the things that you do have to credit them for last year. Um, you know, I was a little hesitant with the team last year just because they won so many games close. But they did that against bad teams and good teams. So, like, they were able to do that against the bad teams. And you're like, man, you wish you could have seen them blow some teams out. But then they'd go play a good team like Duke or Louisville or whoever, and they'd beat them close. So I think if they want to go on the road on Saturday and, and prove that they can hang with the best in the league, assuming that Clemson's going to be somewhere near the top, I think that would be a big step for me towards legitimizing One of the things that's sort of interesting is that UVA hasn't beaten anybody good um, this season, really, unless I'm missing something. Like, and 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 you see that. Like, I was looking at bracketology, and I've see, I looked at all of them, and and you see UVA as a six seed, UVA as an eight seed, UVA out of the bracket because they just don't have a lot of good wins, despite being ranked. And I think that you know the next few games after this Notre Dame game, if they can win that one, and and you know you don't want to overlook a Notre Dame team that can shoot really well. If they can beat Clemson, and then they have another test, I think NC State's next. So I mean, like they're the the games are going to get harder, and that's when they're going to have to really show that they're not just you know padding their wins with you know single digit wins over bad teams. I mean, that's a good point, right? Like <clears throat> at this point, the the teams that Virginia has played, how many of them are good? <laughs> we know one of them is good, <laughs> um, but the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, one that they lost to. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Sure. Of, of the teams that they've played, right? They're, we knew that one, right? The one that Molly whopped them. Um, I, and the funny part about this season, though, is if you look around the league, and as we record this, uh, Duke and, and Tech are still playing. Uh, Clemson is 12th in the country, which, I mean, somebody's going to have to explain to me how that's um, real life. Not necessarily because, like, Clemson can't be top 15. I don't mean it like that. I mean, when I watch that team, they're, they're perfectly – fine they're not they don't look like a top 15 team to me but then again that's just a function of sort of the the reality of the the basketball landscape right now and maybe I'm going to end up feeling like you know foolish because Virginia's going to go down to to Clemson without Clemson's football team having a national championship parade unfortunately um the scheduling gods tried for you Clemson but not this year um but maybe they go down there and and Clemson thumps them but um I, I just don't I just don't I don't see a top 15 team when I watch Clemson and, and, you know, to, you know, maybe put myself out there. Have I watched every second Clemson has played? No, I have not. Um, but I just think that every time I see them, they look, they look like a pretty solid team. You know, if you told me they were, you know, 21st, I'd be like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. But that's, you know, sort of the, the way this year's rolling. But when you look around the league, who else is good, right? I feel like Louisville should be good. Um, I feel like Duke and Carolina should probably be better than they are. Virginia Tech seems to be over, um, you know, kind of, kind of playing over their station a little bit, and, and especially in terms of what everybody expected and and what Mike Young has done with that team. Don't throw things at me, you know. It, that's a that's a perfect roster for what they want to be, right? Um, but I mean, at this point in the ACC, what knowns do we know uh, other than most of the teams UVA has played to this point are trash? And I don't mean any disrespect to anybody. I'm just being real. Like uh, the question is whether or not UVA can kind of get out of the this um, starter pack and get into the actual schedule a little bit, um, you know, when things pick up. Um, before we leave the BC game completely, I want to uh, focus on a couple things. One is Kihei Clark, I mean, there's a lot of attention being paid to him, you know, his play in the post, but I think more than that to me is just sort of his, his comfort level right now. 
he seems to have a very good feel again. And uh, Tony on the, I think it was a teleconference yesterday, was talking about how, you know, he's had guys like, you know, London or, or Ty who had, you know, a real feel for the game. Um, you know, he said this sort of in, in, in reference to, to Beekman as well. But what I find interesting about Clark is how that feel sort of goes and comes. And right now he's got it. Right now, right now he's in the groove. He understands. You know, he's, I asked him that question after the game. He said, look, you know, I can't turn the ball over. And that's very true. Like when, this, when he's not turned the ball over, Virginia's a very different team. But they need him to do so much. Um, I, I think that the five that they've settled on with, with Clark Beekman, Hauser, Trey, and, and Jay, it seems to play to some strengths and also um, I, I think give them some flexibility offensively. Or not maybe not flexibility. Like offensively they have enough of punch now where they don't have to play good defense. They don't have to be great. They have to be relatively solid, but if they actually flirt with being really good, it makes them even harder to beat because that's how they've wiped away these double-digit leads, in part. The other part is because the teams have not been very good. Um, Dave, when you look at the five, where they where they are right now, we, we talked last week about sort of what things we wanted to see. As they're going back in this Notre Dame game, um, we're, I'm assuming Notre Dame will have Trey Wirtz back, which could you know change the, the, the calculus a little bit. What are you hoping to see from Virginia's defense – uh, against the Irish tomorrow afternoon slash evening. I don't know if it's anything specific other than just continuing to kind of build on what they've what they've done the last few games. Um, you know, looking at this game as kind of a lead into Clemson. You know, and not knowing the status of uh, Shedrick or um, or um, God, who am I forgetting? Um, Casey Casey's back, so, yeah. so yeah, Cody's probably not going to be back, but. Looking, you know, for these two games, for me, like it's can they defend? We've got to keep Jay Huff out of foul trouble. That that's the thing. Like that's going to be huge at Clemson, um, specifically for Notre Dame. Like, I mean, you're going to have to show you can close out on the three without opening up the defense to to the dribble drive. But um, I, I don't know if it's anything specific. Virginia plays well, plays offensively within their within what they're capable of, and kind of does what we've seen the last couple games defensively, they should be able to beat Notre Dame unless they just get crazy hot from, from three, which as a Virginia fan, you know, that's not impossible. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd like to see Casey kind of work back into the lineup. Cause that, yeah, I like, look, I like Reese and Kihei on the floor together a lot offensively and defensively. It's just, I don't know how sustainable that is for the entire season, especially when you throw in the fact that, you know, there any day you could find out one of those guys is out for 10 or 14 days, right? It was just reality. Um, so certainly kind of working these other guys back in and figuring out how they can be in with with the other guys and the defense not suffer, um, especially after having this practice for so long. So that would probably be the number one thing I'm looking for is just how do you work Casey back into the lineup. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, right? So I mentioned in my column, right, so if you look at the five and then who, who comes off the bench, right? So McCoy, um, I, I'm not sure. I, mean, I want to talk a little bit about Walden Tinside in a minute, but Morcel is going to have a role, right? We know he's going to have a role. Shedrick is going to want, you know, you need to put some minutes with him. And that's a good thing because I think with the lineup they're playing, it feels like he could actually fit kind of perfectly into that uh, that five role that, that Huff has carved out for himself among that starting group. Um, so we know Morcel is going to fit somewhere. Um, if if nothing else, 
there will be nights, I think, where you're going to see Clark and Beekman on the floor primarily together, especially late in games. But when when Tony needs an extra an extra punch defensively, you know, he's he's likely to go to Casey. The difference, though, I think, is Beekman is actually showing himself to be a fairly strong on-ball defender. Uh, and I mentioned before that was one of the, the sort of takeaways, right? That you know these these five are not too not bad. They're not they're not great right now in the pack line portion, but like in terms of playing on the ball, they're not bad. Um, but and I, let's let's hold the wall to tense, I think for a minute. Uh, Ferber, when you previewed this game, what was the thing? Like if you if you could break it down to the the reason, like if Notre Dame had done X. It, they the, the Irish would have won. Is it just essentially they didn't make shots? I mean, is that all, is that as simplistic as it comes down to with this game? Because that that's what it feels like to me. Is it like as long as Notre Dame doesn't hit shots, UVA wins this game going away? Um, I thought Lashevsky looked ridiculously good, and it didn't really matter, right? Like I feel like if they don't stretch UVA out and hit some shots, this thing's done. What are what what are, what are you when you when you went to preview? What did you see? Yeah, I mean Lashevsky had. 28 points so I mean it's rare for UVA to give up that that amount of points to a player that's not a bona fide lottery pick Marvin Bagley type player um you know I is he going to do that again probably not um but then also you know their guards Hub and Goodwin and all those I mean they all played under their season average so the game that we got was not really the one that we thought we were going to get you know, they're sort of a three-heavy team, guard-heavy team in terms of scoring. So I, I assume that those guys would be doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And then Lashevsky obviously would play his part. But, you know, he's now the team's leading scorer. He, he carried them in that game. And then Juwan Durham came off the bench and had 19, right? And and that was sort of unexpected. Um, and he just he did really well around the paint and, and at the free throw line and, and kind of kept them in the game, him and Lashevsky. And I think that... If you want to boil it down to what needs to happen for UVA to win, I mean, really, they need to figure out a way to kind of like get Lashevsky to be more like his season average, which is 17 points a game, um, and then hope that the guards don't make up a ton, you know, by like playing way better than they did last time. Um, if you're Notre Dame, you have to hope for a, a, a really good Lashevsky performance again by doing the same things you did in the first game, you know, having him, you know, get outside and create mismatches and just knock down shots. Um, but at the same time, you need your guards to play a lot better because Hub and, and Goodwin did nothing. Um, so if UVA can clamp down on the guards, I think I feel pretty good about them being able to handle this one. Just because I don't – Lashevsky scoring 28 seems like about the ceiling, and I cannot imagine Jawan Durham going for 19 again off the bench. Yeah, that, that does seem a little bit unlikely. Um, but at the same time, if you're Mike Bray and you go into this thing – you know, you you obviously you, you have to appreciate that the Virginia team that you got last time is a little bit different now, right? It's it's obviously a fairly you know quick turnaround um, to play the second this rematch or whatever. Um, but that team was in a little bit of a different spot, right? Confidence wise, right? They went into that game having just gotten the crap kicked out of them, right? And you know, needing to sort of bounce back. This team is is different. I mean. There, I'm definitely there's some confidence that comes with the three and zero start, um, and you know coming off of these couple of games where they've had they've been down, they figured out how to come back. It's not because they you know started hitting a whole bunch of threes or anything. They just sort of kind of worked in what they do, um, and that in of itself I think gives you um, even more confidence. Dave, when you 
when you think about this matchup, what concerns you about Notre Dame? Is it just that are they going to have two off nights in a row? So short, you know, in a short amount of time. What's your general sense of of this uh, of this matchup between the, uh, the the Who's and the Irish? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing specific about this matchup that wasn't a concern for the previous one. I mean, you know, Notre Dame's got guys that can shoot the three, and that's that's how you beat the pack line. They've got guys who've seen it now, and you know, most of their guys are experienced. So, um, look, I'm not worried about the game in any mean. Like, you know, Virginia's what three and zero in the ACC, and Notre Dame's not great. I think Virginia can win this game. You know, if this was a normal year, I wouldn't be worried about this game at all because the home crowd would kind of carry it. But, um, I mean, the stuff Justin was talking about, like, you know, it's – I don't know that Notre Dame's going to get that kind of scoring, um, again, from their big guys. So, And the way Virginia's guards are guarding right now, that makes it kind of hard for those guys to give you big numbers. So it's just a matter of Virginia's staying within – in their system and covering I'm not overly concerned other than the fact that I'm going to be at work during this game, which traditionally makes them play a tight game because I can't pay attention. <laughs> it's all your fault, Dave. <laughs> it is. I can't yell at the screen. I can't do anything. Yeah. Um, Gardner Webb, like I couldn't watch the first half. You saw how that went. <laughs> well, it, it didn't, I mean, it, it ended up being fine. Um, yeah, because I can pay attention the second half. Yeah, a four thirty start is 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 kind of a tough look for fans. This one has been, <laughs> went from eight thirty to two thirty to four thirty. Um, I'm still not entirely sure if I'm what time I'm supposed to show up, but I'm just gonna um, hope that it's the four thirty option. Um, I think my general sense on this is if Virginia just needs to to be who you are, right? Like, um, reps are important um, in any season in any sport but especially now i think getting these guys more reps together even if even if the competition hasn't been great um just having them kind of doing some of the same stuff on the floor together over and over again um it's a it, it sounds super ridiculous but like that actually is a fairly substantial step in the right direction you know the how many coaches i've heard on these conferences and teleconferences and stuff talk about you know we just got to get the games in because um, so many different teams have had to deal with stops and starts. Do we know of anybody who hasn't had to stop or start? Sorry, I guess everybody had to start. But who hasn't had to stop and then restart? Do we know anybody who hasn't? It might come off the top of your head. Like, I feel like everybody has. You mean as far as teams that haven't? That hasn't, that have not had a game, like has not had a game actually canceled. So in Virginia Tech's case. I mean, they've, they've missed games. Right. That's what, and that's what I mean. Like had games where they missed, even if they weren't necessarily the ones who had to miss them, if that makes sense. Right. Like, I don't think anybody is like playing their schedule as what well. that was kind of the point I was trying to make. So nobody's pay, just playing their schedule. Everybody's sort of like waiting to see case by case. Um, now, obviously there are some programs that yeah, have I mean, not Tech had to is shut one down, of the few but, that have played five. Yeah, well, Boston College has played six conference games now, so huh? Maybe they haven't had yeah. one canceled yet. Yeah, and they Boston won College, man, they're always very good at this COVID thing. Um, all right, so let's talk about Walter Tensai. And I want to preface this conversation by saying that, like, we don't, regardless, I would nobody want you know wants to speak ill of anybody. It seems like to me the rotation is better when he's not in there. Um, I'm sure there will come a game where, you know, he'll get some some burn and hit some threes and, and, and he'll, and he'll stick on the floor. But, you know, in this game, he, he doesn't take a shot. Um, he played six minutes. He got two fouls. Um, and it was a really rough 
sort of outing for him. Ferber, let's start with you. Where do you see Woldetensa fitting right now? Is he just on the outside looking in at this point to you? Yeah, I mean, I think that you hit it. I think, you know, he's he's a role player, and, you know, he's going to have a role. He's going to have games where he blows up, and I think he's going to be a big part of what's going on. But I think Trey Murphy has really sort of gotten on his corner, and it, it – it's tar- you know, what do you do? Like, I, I think Murphy's just a better player, and, you know, I think he's, he's a more natural fit. Um, and Wolda Tensai is going to be a really important piece off the bench at some point, and I think that's a great thing to have, guys with experience playing in the system and somebody that played a lot of big minutes last year, But and that's fine. I, but I think, yeah, I think he's going to be sort of a, a complimentary piece, and I thought that before the season started, to be frank. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? Do you see Wolda Tensai – like, do you see a, a way for him to have any sort of consistent playing time, or is it just going to literally be case by case? I mean, I think it's got to be case by case right now. As long as you know, as long as everyone gets healthy, stays healthy. You know, we know from watching him last year, Waldo, when it's kind of a streaky player. So there's going to be a game where the offense is struggling, and you know, you might rotate him in, and he hits a couple threes and gets him going. I mean, I think his defense has improved, but when you're looking at whose minutes you're going to give him, um. You know he, he's not he's not an on ball guy. You know he's not gonna not gonna initiate the offense as well as Kihei, obviously Reese, and then even Casey. Um, and so that kind of limits what you can do with him unless you're playing him at the three. So I mean maybe in maybe against teams that go super small and you know Virginia's playing you know an under you know moves Murphy to the four and is playing Hauser or Huff at the five. Um, maybe then he can get some minutes, but. My guess is it's going to be situational, foul-based, injury-based, or offense needing a lift because the boy can still shoot. Yeah, that's true. I mean, typically, if you can do that with any sort of regularity, you you get on the floor. I, I find it somewhat, you know, dubious, right, that without Morcel that he still couldn't see the floor. Um, but I can also, you know, I I, I can I can see a scenario where he 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 does earn some minutes. I think the problem for 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 this this sort of um this sort of roster question right is that if you can play Clark and Beekman together if you can do that then you want to do that especially because then that allows you to do a handful of different things if Walter Tensai is out there the question becomes who's with him and I really like where this five is um I still think Shedrick should begin some more minutes and I know Marcel will um but realistically like that might just sort of be where it is right now um, and it's not like he or McCoy or you know anybody else didn't really get their opportunities. They did. Um, it's just a question of you know guys staying healthy at this point. And when I say that, I mean both injury and uh, virus related. Um, but you know, yeah, we'll I mean, see. I agree. I mean, I like Reese and Kihei too. But you cannot have those guys playing almost forty minutes a game against what we all know is kind of the bottom of the conference. Um, Virginia's got to figure out a way to get there. You know. You got to get them together for, you know, have them play together for 20, 25 minutes a game, sure, but you got to get those guys off the court some. We know Kihei, like Kihei has shown that he can play 38 to 40 minutes a game and not lose it. Um, but, you know, with the bulk of your schedule still ahead of you, I mean, it behooves Virginia to figure out a way to kind of figure out how to get those guys on the court together, but, but not drop off so much when they're not together. Um, and to me, like the Notre Dame game, um, you know, the next few few games, despite Clemson being a better team than Notre Dame, next few games that seems to be priority one for me. It's now I think you've identified your best five. It's figuring out how you can 
reduce the minutes so that that best five can be fresh in March and April. Yeah, uh, Beekman played 37 minutes against Boston College. He did. He was 0 for 4 from the floor. He had four free throws, but he didn't turn the ball over. He had three assists. So you kind of get and, and Tony was very complimentary of his defense. So even if he's playing more minutes than you might think, um, he seemed to do a pretty good job when he was in there. Even if he wasn't, you know, jumping out of the stat sheet. But you're right. I mean, Kihei's played what 39.3 minutes per game in ACC play so far. He played two games where he played all 40. Um, you know, you probably don't want that to be a thing, but unless when you absolutely have to. All right, give me this: the over/under on number of minutes Casey Morcel plays. I'll set it at. Uh, eight and a half. Ferber, let's go to you first. Do you think over or under on, on on Casey's minutes against uh, Notre Dame? I'll go over, but just barely. Um, I was thinking like ten minutes. Yeah, that that's kind of where I, I I was kind of trying to uh, trying to get there with the with the with the number. What do you think, Dave? Do you feel about the same? First, I thought you said Beekman eight and a half. I was like, did I did he glitch? <laughs> um, no, no. no. I, I'm gonna I'll go over, um, probably in that fifteen range, um, just because he, you know, he's a really good home ball defender, and we know that's what Tony values. Yeah. Um. All right, then let's 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 round off the show a little bit talking about just the league in general. Um, we have not we have not really done like a deeper dive, and I think part of that's just because teams have not really gotten started. Um, I feel like we, you know, we talked a little about Clemson, and obviously that's a the game. You know, if it's if it if it holds on the schedule for Saturday, that's a an interesting one for Virginia for a variety of reasons. Um, I'm not used to UVA being the team that can go get a top 15 win, um, but UVA in that scenario would be a team looking for a top 15 win. Um, other than Clemson, what teams do you feel like you even know right now? Because I don't feel like Duke coming out of this Tech loss. I, I don't feel like they know who they are. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with Carolina because, you know, last I checked, you know, they got their preseason ACC player of the year coming off the bench sometimes. Um, who do we, who do you think you know, Dave, across the league? Um, what do you feel confident about when it comes to other teams? Um, not a one. And that, you know, I mean, I guess if I had, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say I feel confident about Louisville, Carolina, and Duke just because historically they're going to get be good, right? Um, but yeah, we're at what three to four, five games in from some guys from teams in the ACC, but most of them have played teams that don't have a full roster because of COVID. None of them really play. No one's really played a great out of conference schedule, um, which I think is probably why Clemson is ranked twelfth. It's you know they didn't play any. They didn't play Gonzaga and Villanova or anything, but they played a very solid out-of-conference schedule and won, won those games. Um, but because they're Clemson and what I've seen in their ACC play, like I can't say for sure I know what they are. So I just think it's a weird year, man. And um, look, Louisville's got talent. Duke's got talented players. They just don't seem to be gelling. And Virginia Tech, like I feel like I know what Virginia Tech is, but um, it's hard for me to look at them unbiased. <laughs> Don't know why. It's just a weird thing that happens. Um, but if I had if I had to bet, there's if I feel pretty safe saying Tech's going to be towards the top of the league by the end of the season. Um, and you know Duke is going to figure it out, or they're going to, or Coach K is going to figure out a reason they shouldn't play the rest of the year. Um, <laughs> so one of the two, right? Um, but no, I mean I think it's a tough year. You know. I, 
it's a bunch of average teams, but you know, if you look across the country as a whole, um, there's some really great teams, and there's some some teams figuring out. And I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna we're gonna have a clear picture with the ACC is until probably mid to late February. Um, one, I thought Duke had actually reached the figuring it out stage, and I actually firmly thought that they were gonna go into Blacksburg and win tonight. So the fact that they didn't. And then they look like trash can juice for a good part of the part of the first part of the game is kind of uh, surprising to me. Um, but now that Johnson kid is back healthy or at least back playing, you know, you, you might you might see them. But that's a that, then again, now you got a whole other like, oh, they you know, guys got to kind of work it out together. Um, Florida State seems to be the one to me that is a little bit of a disappointment just because I thought they were more talented than they are. Or guess what they've done consistently. Um, and I guess you could throw Louisville in there, too. There are a handful of teams, Virginia included in this, that like have just not been who I thought they were going to be. And the fact that, you know, Carolina's bringing the you know preseason ACC player of the year off the bench sometimes, um, or at least has done it, that in and of itself is just kind of like, boom, you know? Ferber, when you look around the league, what do you feel like you know uh, at this point? Is it just, hey, Clemson's pretty solid and everybody else is trying to figure it out? Or do you have – do you have you seen a team that you think is – is about to, you know, to really put some wins together. I would say Virginia, Clemson, Louisville, Virginia Tech right now are probably in the top group. And then there's a bunch of guys like trying to figure, you've mentioned Florida State, North Carolina, Duke. Like there's a lot of teams that are just sort of like figuring themselves out. And and I think we have, have a bottom. I think, you know, UVA's played the, you know, Notre Dame, Boston College, Wake Forest. Um, those teams will be at the bottom. And and then, you know, you have a bunch of other teams that are just middling. And it really, to me, you know, Miami has talent, but what are they, you know? Um, Syracuse, they're one and one. Like, we don't really know much about them. Um, to me, it feels like an extension of last year, where last year it felt like the league was really down and there was no dominant team. And a pretty, you know, offensively challenged UVA team finished second in the league. And in a lot of other years, they wouldn't have finished anywhere near second. Um, and, you know, I think that, I don't think the league is exactly the same as last year. I mean, there's a lot of new faces. And most of the coaches are back. I think all of them, um, except for Danny Manning. Uh, but I think you're starting to see it's it's like 2020 point, you know, part two, right, in the ACC. It just feels like there's going to be a lot of upsets. There's going to be a lot of weird head scratchers. There's going to be um, a lot of teams around 500 or so for a lot of the year. And then there's going to be a few teams at the top that are going to probably be like, let's say they play 15 games, you know, 11 and four, 10. And five. I don't think you're going to see any teams, you know, really run up a huge win total, but I think I feel pretty confident that UVA, Louisville, Clemson, Virginia tech will be in the top half of the league. Um, odds are that one of those teams will drop a little bit because this happens every year. Um, I think NC state also is a team that could finish near the top. Um, so, We'll just see how it shakes out, but right now I think I think the team that I feel most confident in being good besides UVA is Louisville. I mean, they have the they have the best roster. Um, to, well, I I've, I thought Florida State's roster was going to be better than it was, but other than UVA, in terms of just you know guys who should be able to do stuff, Louisville certainly up there. It is it is an odd year, um, which you know I, get, I think we all expected, but. Um, I, I don't know if I fully appreciated just how different basketball was going to be than football. I, I knew there would be some stoppages. I didn't realize there were going to be as many as there have been. And certainly, um, you know, teams are trying – it seems like teams are trying to 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 learn some lessons. And 
I think Virginia did right from the from the first time to the second time. It seemed like you know some contact tracing, um, some contact tracing sort of uh, tricks of the trade, so to speak. You know they learned a little bit through the first experience and maybe keeping guys a little more distant and whatnot. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But overall, I mean, I feel like we got to. It's weird. It's like middle of January, and I don't know much about the ACC, and that's just not that's not a thing I'm I'm accustomed to. Um, and something I think that just sort of the reality of of this season. Um, but anyway, if, uh, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much. You get us and listen, if you don't mind, look us up on Apple podcasts, it's your Spotify overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. If you are so inclined to give us a rating and review, we hope, uh, we hope you would do that. It helps to get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who's found the pod, but has not given us a look yet, check us out on the website, calvescorner.com. I'm, I'm working through, uh, our season and review, um, stories now. So, um, we've done quarterbacks, we've done running backs, we've done now wide receivers, uh, quarterback, I feel like they've obviously, you know, if you think about like where they were before this past season, you know, trying to replace Bryce Perkins and you didn't at that point, you probably didn't know that they were going to get Keaton Thompson. And now they've got a couple of young kids. So they're in a really good spot there. Running back seems to be a little bit of a, um, an unsettled situation. I think is what I called it, but man, wide receiver, my boy Lavelle Davis between he and Wicks, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So give those a look. Uh, links are in your, um, podcast app of choice. Uh, or in the content item um, for this uh, program. So I'll be in Charlottesville tomorrow. If you're listening to this, it'll, it'll be today covering the game, and uh, we'll see we'll see how that one sort of shakes out. Um, so, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time, as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Now-